Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Thank you, Ross. If you've got your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Past few Sundays we've been talking about heaven, how heaven can't wait. This morning we're going to talk about the fact that heaven can't wait. And the question, will you be there? You see, heaven is God's designed and final destination for both you and me. It is a place of glory, of joy, of wonder, and of God's glory. It's a place of reunion, both with God and with His people. And the good news this morning is that God wants you to be there. He wants you to be there. We read this scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to set the background to it. And I'll be brief on this. Boy, as everybody in here should should be thankful for, brevity is the hope of air conditioning. Amen? But that's not the reason I'm going to be brief today because the most important thing that's going to happen today is not the sermon. The most important thing that's going to happen today is when we get to that place at the close of our service where we give what is called an invitation. As Baptists, we don't do this as Baptists. Baptists weren't the ones that originated an invitation, a commitment time at the end of a service. That was actually originated, of all things, by Scottish Presbyterians who ended up going ahead. And by the way, both in the Revolution as well as in the Civil War, the overwhelming majority of folks that were chaplains were either United Methodists or Presbyterians. And they gave the first invitation call. A fellow by the name of Charles Finney was the fellow that began revival services where they actually had folks come forward, as you saw Billy Graham did, as you saw in, in, in Crusades, as you have been a part of. The reason I share that with you this morning is that's the most important thing that's going to happen this morning. It isn't about me preaching. It's not about the wonderful song that that Ross just shared. It's about God speaking to you, calling your name, and offering you heaven. And the most important thing that happened in the life of the Apostle Paul as he wrote this little tiny church in Thessalonica was this. They had a group of people on one side of the church that said, we know that Jesus is coming back. And so there's no reason that we ought to be doing anything. All we should be doing is sitting around waiting and looking to see when he gets here, how he's going to get there, and and as he takes us away. And then you had another group of people that were in the church said, Hey, I know that Jesus is coming back, but we're not really sure when it is, and so we're just going to kind of go through the motions of uh, our life with no real passion. And aren't you all glad you sat on this side? These two sides you don't want to be on. This side of the church in Thessalonica, these were the people that said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go ahead and pursue our walk with Christ with headlong abandon. Boy, you all are glad you sat on this side. 
headlong abandon. We can do everything we can to go and share the gospel with everyone we can because we don't know when he's coming back and we know it's going to be quick and we want to be ready, found that we are doing God's business until our final breath. So Paul writes these words and as he writes to the Thessalonians, he says to them, I don't want you to go ahead and be confused. Let me share with you the truth that God has already revealed to me. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to read God's Word together. We stand in order to honor His perfect and holy Word. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Read with me. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's Word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. It's interesting that the very next word that Paul wrote to that Thessalonian church was this. Therefore, comfort one another with these words, listen to me, about heaven. About heaven. The place that God wants you to be a part of. The thing we've talked about for the last few days. You see, the real question for you and me this morning is not, will we get out of church on time to beat everybody else to where we want to go eat? It isn't whether or not we will get out and get into our cars which have air conditioning that is functioning. It is this one question. Will you rise? Will you rise? Do you know that for certain? You see, most of us in this room have at least an understanding of what the gospel message is. How Jesus was sent by God to be both God and man at the same time and then give Himself as a living sacrifice and a substitute for your sin and mine. I truly believe, listen folks, I truly believe that there are people in this room right now that will see the return of Jesus Christ. I really believe it. Sam is, I share this every time, Sam is convinced he's going to be alive during that time. All right? Everybody look at Sam. Everybody look at him. You've always wanted this. Everybody's looking at you. He believes that Jesus will return in his lifetime. I'm not going to dispute him, but I believe that every one of you all will. I believe that there are some of you who will be alive during that time. I believe it's that close. Now, I had preachers that shared that with me when I was a teenager. And it wasn't 
done to scare us into faith. Listen to me. Please understand what I'm going to say to you. There are plenty of people and there are plenty of preachers who literally, literally, biblically want to try and scare the hell out of people. Guys, that is not how you get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by saying, I don't want to go to hell, therefore I'm going to heaven. You get to heaven because of a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Not trying to avoid something that potentially is on the horizon, but instead saying, God, I want to be embraced by what you have planned for me. Will you rise? You see, the biblical truth is your name will be called. Your name will be called. Be assured your name will be called. Look around this room. I want you to do that this morning. Don't look at Sam. Sam's already had his moment. All right, He's had his 15 minutes of fame. I want you to look around and find a person who is here this morning that you don't know real well. All right, You, you look, you know, ah, I see him in church all the time, but I don't really know that person. Find that person right now. Okay? By the way, whoever did that while Stu was out, that was classic. All right? Um, find that person right now and look at them. That person will be called by God. That person's name will be called by God. I'm looking at one right now. Your name's going to be called by God. And that's a good thing. But the truth is, folks, your name is being called not by God on the final day, on the day of His appearance, the day of the resurrection. That is not the day that God is calling you. He is calling you right now. He is calling you because the Holy Spirit in some of your hearts right now is calling you and saying, please don't go ahead and ignore this again. Please go ahead and listen, not to a pastor who's preaching, but listen to me as I call you and tell you that I love you and I demonstrated it by the death of my son Jesus on a cross 2,000 years ago. That call will come on the day of Jesus' return. But you're also being called this morning. And God is offering forgiveness and salvation through the sacrifice of His Son. And you have that chance to answer Him today. You see, your answer to God's call depends on your decision now. That answer needs to be yes. Yes to forgiveness and yes to hope and yes to God. You cannot wait until tomorrow. That's why the Bible says that today is the day God set aside for salvation. Not tomorrow. Not some other time that's convenient in your life. This is the day of salvation. This is that day. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I don't know for certain if I will rise. Let me share with you good news. You don't have to wonder. God will take the wonder out of that. Instead, He will put the assurance that when you close your eyes and you take your final breath, that you'll open them and you'll know who you are, and who you see in front of you. 
Do you know this man? He is the most famous man of the 19th century. What he became and who he is has affected education, both in our high schools and junior highs and elementary schools, as well as our colleges. His name is Charles Robert Darwin. Now, Charles Darwin is a fascinating person. He led an interesting life. He was an English naturalist and scientist who is wrongly credited with being the father of evolution. He isn't. As a matter of fact, Darwin did not posit that as what science proved. He believed in a thing called natural selection. Natural selection doesn't mean the strongest survive. It doesn't mean the most intelligent survive. It means the one who is most able to change will survive. There's a big difference. Evolution teaches that lower species grow into higher species. Thus, the Soviets and the Soviet scientists in 1923 started cutting the tails off cats. Okay, Now, Don Goodman, you're here. You're a veterinarian. If we went through six generations of cats and we cut the tails off of every one of those cats, by the seventh generation, the Soviets believed that they would be born without tails. Now, you have seen lots of kittens born, Don. Would that have worked? No. Evolution says it will. What does a cat really need a tail for, especially if you have a room full of rocking chairs? Let me share with you this. Charles Darwin, as a young man, his father had encouraged him to pursue a career in medicine. But Charles Darwin was interested in the whole body of science and of creation. He went to church. He was confirmed as a member of the Church of England. He married a girl who was a believer. He studied for three years at Christ College to become a minister in the Church of England. He argued the truth of Scripture with officers that were aboard that famous ship, the Beagle, as it took its epic voyage one that would alter the course of history and change Darwin's life. And then he began to pursue and seek a lesser God. He suffered from the loss of a ten-year-old daughter, all without faith. His comment was that I wish I could believe in a hereafter that she was joined to, but alas, I am, I am without that comfort. Several friends that were Christ followers spoke and wrote to him about faith in Christ. An evangelist who was visiting the home that Darwin was staying in as a guest was sharing the gospel with that family and the workers on the estate and invited Darwin to attend he refused. This was after he had published The Origin of the Species. He refused to come down those stairs and listen as a man shared the gospel story. But he told him that he would lift his window 
so that the man's voice could carry up into his room so he could hear the message. Folks, he sadly died to a Christless grave. Before his death, he wrote these words to a friend that was worried about his soul. He said, I am sorry to have to inform you that I do not believe in the Bible as a divine revelation, and therefore not in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Folks, I want to share with you this, this one truth. You can choose to rise this morning. You can choose to rise this morning by doing what you are designed to do. Choose to place your faith in God's Son. Pray with me. Father, each one of us will have our name called. It may be in a few hours. It may be in many years. You've already designed that. You already know the time stamp and the expiration date on each one of us. This morning, we don't have to go ahead and get saved because we are wondering if we'll go to hell You offer us much better than that. You offer us the promise of eternal life. Father, I pray this morning we won't choose a lesser God, but instead choose you as you have chosen us. Father, I want everyone that's in this room to be able to say, I will rise when He calls my name. And the only way that can happen is not by a preacher's word, but by your action and by each one of our choice to receive Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, and as our God. Help us to make the right choice this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I shared with you earlier that the most important part of this service is not going to be me preaching or not the the songs that were sung. It's right now. Because in some of your lives, God is speaking for you to settle the equation of whether you will be in heaven. To say yes to God. Perhaps to even say, I will choose this morning. I will choose this morning to allow Christ's love for me to fulfill me. If that's you, then during this song, I'll be here at the altar. The walk that you make from your pew to here does not make you a Christian. But the reason we do this publicly, folks, is not to embarrass anyone. It is an opportunity for us to do the one thing that Jesus did. As He died for us publicly, we can live for Him and proclaim Him publicly to That's why we do this. That's why God's Holy Spirit right now is troubling some of your hearts. And if God's Word is, is, is wanting to be planted in you, don't wait for the second stanza. Come now. Let's stand together. And as we sing, you come.